And this time on Culture File, we're back in the booth with Alex Niven. As we heard last time, Niven has written the introduction for a new edition of Mark Fisher's ever-influential 2009 book, Capitalist Realism. Some measure of that book's travel since 2009 is that its cover bears a blurb from Slovenian philosopher Slavoj Žižek. The audiobook version is read by Essex rapscallion Russell Brand and the current issue of Sensible Party Mag, The Economist, uses capitalist realism to decode what's currently going on in the Tory party. Mark Fisher first came to prominence as a blogger who'd been part of a notorious research group at Warwick University called the Cybernetic Culture Research Unit. Alex Niven takes up the story. Mark's blog was called K-Punk, I think partly as a legacy of this kind of cybernetic 90s era. You know, it almost sounds like a kind of drum and bass DJ's tag if you like and that became his alias his blog's title some of his earlier writings and, and later writings obviously particularly exiting the vampire castle very controversial essay published in i think 2013 you know very controversial at the time and, and almost led to kind of mark's i guess can- cancellation we might say all of these things were, were almost a bit dangerous and a bit on the edge i mean we see this right at the end of mark's writing career in in this concept of acid communism this half-formulated, because, you know, sadly Mark didn't live to see it formulated at, at length in book form, but, you know, the sense that the, the kind of solution to all of the bad things that were going on in the, in the mid-2010s was to try to kind of backtrack to the 60s and to that kind of slightly out-there culture of experimenting with psychedelics, you know, anti-psychiatry and that sort of thing. You know, a lot of that's valuable, but I think there is a kind of perhaps a dark side, perhaps a slightly dangerous edge to those sorts of references. This idea that retromania was a problem and that the ability to surprise was missing from a generation of of cultural producers or maybe just youth in general, he played that out as related to the fact that he felt it was dangerous to say some things and that, you know, which is, we have a much stronger version of that now, but he he did have a notion of cancel culture that that he um, kind of critiqued. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I think exiting the vampire castle is is the place in which that side of Mark's thinking is expressed and formulated. You do have this incipient critique of what's come to be called cancel culture, but it does start with quite a, a, a well-phrased and reasonable argument about call-out culture and about social media and about how things are kind of deconstructed and individualized and about how you know we should replace that kind of deconstructive impulse with a with one of solidarity and and support if people say things wrong say things that are that are wrong or ideologically questionable we should probably talk to them in private rather than kind of calling them out on the internet i think this is all very reasonable stuff we are reading the book now and it's quite a few years later and we come across something like in his denunciation of international capital he brings up George Soros which is such an incredible red flag now that you know we, we, we would tend to maybe lose the book after that why shouldn't we it's important to bear in mind that capitalist realism is, is now a relatively old text not not an ancient text but it in a sense, does belong to a different era. I think lots of its arguments remain very prescient. But this was a text, you know, written in 2009, as I say, you know, at a point where the left certainly was at a a very different phase of its development. On the whole, any kind of missteps that are there 
arise for me largely from the fact that this was a book that was written, you know, in a slightly different era uh, and, and quite a while ago now. So, I mean, let's look at the things that, that maybe do work. And one of the critiques which, which seems far-sighted now was that he kind of saw what was happening in academia in Britain. At one level, he was a disgruntled lecturer that was having, you know, problems with, uh, with the management. But his analysis of that is one that's for a lot of people in the same sector now still holds true. Marx's critique in capitalist realism was of you know, public sector work culture as a whole, but obviously in particular he is interested in his his own profession, if you like, which was academia. Specifically the diagnosis is that the kind of control, systems of control of bureaucracy in public sector work life and in academia in particular are every bit as bad as, you know, for example, they were in the Soviet Union Mark coined a phrase, market Stalinism, to, to kind of diagnose this emphasis on, you know, league tables, Ofsted inspections in schools, an emphasis on uh, matrix and matrices and figures and, and, and you know, kind of targets and, and so on. What he called business ontology. Business ontology, yeah, absolutely. So through the importation of what you might call business ontology or, or you know, kind of marketization, various kind of structures and methodologies from business which are completely incongruous and at odds with education and with learning and with academia and with research, really have completely ruined it to the point that it's difficult to see how the humanities, certainly in, in, in the context of higher education, will survive over the next few decades because it's been completely ruined by this is business ontology. One of the ways that it feels quite contemporary is the way it thinks about mental health and about mental health's relationship to society more broadly. Yes, capitalist realism, obviously a text written by Mark Fisher, there's obviously a, you know, quite a tragic sort of personal biographical subtext to this in that, you know, Mark struggled for years with with mental health and with, you know, depression in particular and, and, and obviously very, very tragically um, took his own life at the end of that process. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the big sort of macro argument of the book and the reason why it was so provocative and much needed at the time was that it really flung the emphasis of dysphoria, as Mark calls it, or, or depression, we might say, onto society as a whole and away from this sense which you get in neoliberal culture, late capitalist culture, whatever you want to call it, postmodern culture of all kinds, that the individual is responsible for their own uh, kind of psychodramas, if you like, and that through a kind of heroic act of magic voluntarism, as phrase Mark like to use this sense of uh, that you could kind of voluntarily and magically rise above individual circumstance and kind of make yourself better through uh, your own kind of heroic efforts. Capitalist realism was very much, uh, was arguing something very different, which was that, you know, mental health is a social issue, it's a collective issue, it's a political issue. We are kind of all suffering because of the overall system, not just because of particularities and, and individual circumstances, but because the overall system is wrong and it's immiserating all of us psychologically and that we need to address these things collectively, socially, politically, rather than a kind of heroic individual effort of kind of rising above these circumstances. 
Alex Niven there on Mark Fisher and Capitalist Realism, the new edition of which is out now from Zero Books, an ideal gift for the big other in your life.